I wish to begin by thanking the Academy and its members. I'm very honored to be made a fellow and very grateful for this really wonderful evening. Um, and I'm sorry they you know, don't save the most exciting speakers for after the dinner. Uh, but here we go. It's very appropriate that my fellowship has been named in, or, in honor of the late Professor Thorsten Selim. Professor Selim's work and my work have shared certain themes for a long time, and I'll explain a couple of these. First, Professor Selim spent his career advocating against the death penalty and against punitive justice practices in general. In 1993, I published a theoretical paper that took a developmental view of juvenile delinquency. The theory described uh, two groups of delinquent young people. In a nutshell, one group uh, called life course persistent offenders start their antisocial behavior in very early childhood and continue to develop during adolescence and adulthood into serious and ever more violent offenders. The other group, in contrast, called adolescence limited offenders, have short-term involvement in delinquency as a kind of a normal part of adjusting to growing up. And it may seem obvious, but it's important not to mix up these two kinds of kids. Uh, since 1993, this theory has been cited more than 1,500 times, and its hypotheses have been tested in 16 different countries. Uh, today, the theory is being applied to guide juvenile justice reform, uh, to redirect America's policy away from the recent trend toward ever more severe punishments for younger and younger offenders. The reform argument is made best in a new book that's coming out by Professor Larry Steinberg from Temple University here in Philadelphia. I think Professor Selene would have approved of this work. Uh, there's another connection between my work and Thorsten Selene's. In his 1938 theory of group cultural resistance, he addressed the question of whether an individual's propensity towards crime and deviance could be influenced by inherited biological traits. Uh, Professor Selene argued that most crime and deviance are caused by social pressures, such as poverty, lack of education, and urban disorganization in cities, and parents' tendency to socialize their sons towards uh, aggressive behavior. However, Selene thought that when a person lacks these social pressures towards crime, but surprisingly engages in crime anyway, this unexpected sort of crime would most likely represent the result of some inherited brain abnormality. In other words, if a middle-class white woman like me should break the law, it comes from some kind of a brain abnormality. Uh, we must consider the contemporary context in which Professor Selene was writing. In the 1930s, the proponents of Marxist social explanations for human behavior were doing a hand-to-hand -hand combat um, with the proponents of genetic determinism and eugenic policies. Selene was one of the very first intellectuals who addressed the possibility that there might be interplay between biology and environment in the etiology of human behavior. In my own work, I use methods that were not available in Professor Selene's day to study the interplay between environment and biology. Uh, in 2002, as Doug told you, my collaborator Afshalom Caspi and I published our first paper on the interaction between a specific genotype and a social environment. We already knew that children who've been maltreated are more likely to become aggressive themselves um, <clears throat> towards others and to become violent offenders. Uh, but we discovered that this cycle of violence uh, is much stronger if the victim of maltreatment is a carrier of a certain allelic variant in the MAOA gene. 
which is involved in neural transmission. Uh, the genetic variant is very common in the population. One third of us here in the room have it. Uh, but in most children who are not maltreated, this gene remains silent. In my view, the most important lesson from this discovery was the implications that genes have no direct effect on criminal behavior. Genes are related to crime because they influence our vulnerability or resilience to the social causes of crime. In the six years since, we've published evidence for similar interactions between other genes and other environments involving behavioral outcomes, including depression, schizophrenia, and most recently, the IQ. Uh, this work is providing concrete empirical evidence that directly counters genetic determinism. I hope this evidence will help to prevent the misuse of genetic information in healthcare, insurance, and employment ever in the future. And I think Professor Saline would have approved of that. So thank you for honoring both me and Professor Saline. Congratulations.